The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Here, this is called kind of shooting from the hip. When I woke up this morning, there was a direction I wanted to go. I actually wanted to start a, a series, and I was really kind of bent on that. And it's funny to me because you'll have stuff in your heart, and you'll think, like, I want to do this. But you always need to make sure, was that what God's doing? And, and as I began to investigate more and more that direction, because I was so stuck on it, I, I felt more and more, no, that's really not what we need to do today. And, and you know, then you start to watch the, the clock ticking, and you're thinking, like, well, God, I hope you get your act together really soon because, you know, church starts at 10. I don't know if you're aware. And, uh, and I wanted to, to change directions here, and I believe that it's a Holy Spirit-inspired shift of directions. But I'm not always up here on a Sunday morning during worship, you know, putting pen to paper and flying down a sheet of paper. Normally things are typed out and printed and things like that, but this is a little bit of a curveball and is going to be a little bit shooting from the hip. So you're going to have to allow me to be a little loose. I like being a little loose. It's good. It's healthy for everybody. My wife is a painter. She actually watches video that teach you how to paint loose, which means paint worse, right? It's not so tight. Oh, it's not worse? Okay, never mind. I won't even go there. When you get loose, though, it's more relaxed. And when it's loose, it, it, it has uh, the ability to connect in ways that when it's tight, it just doesn't connect. And I know a lot about, you know, being production-oriented and production-driven, everything being tight and timed and in their place. That's actually how I'm naturally inclined. Now, the older I get, the more comfortable I get with loosening up, and, and so here we are today. So I want to get into the Word today with the understanding that it's a bit loose, and we're going to learn a little bit from my wife's birthday, or at least some loose event that's connected to uh, her birthday. If you're taking notes, here's a few things you're going to find. I encourage note-taking. I think it's a good thing to do. I mean, you can jot these things down so that you can look forward to them. You find yourself dozing off. You can think, no, I really wanted to find out what that was, so keep you engaged. Uh, also, uh, just gives you an opportunity to know where we're at in the message. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to find, first of all, is how to change. How to change. If you're like me, there's a lot of things you need to change, right? And if you're like me, there's a lot of things that you've promised will change or you are changing but yet you find yourself constantly promising that it will change or you are changing, which means everything's the same. But we're going to find out how to change, and this is meant to be something that you can apply even like mechanically in your choices and decisions. You can apply this to your thought life and your prayer life. How to change is something that we have a lot of instruction in the scripture in, in how to make this a tangible thing in our life where it's not just something we talk about, but it's something that we actually are capable of doing. God's very interested in, uh, in change taking place in our lives. He's promised never to leave us the same, in fact. And another thing that we're going to find is what, uh, this is really the most 007 thing God could possibly provide for you. The most Jason Bourne thing that God could ever give to you, and God promises to always give it to you. So there's a second thing we're going to find. It's what God will always provide, and it's, it's pretty cool. So if you are uh, interested in uh, expanding your secret agent tool bag, Pay attention because uh, you're going to find something that's pretty cool that God always will give you. And then a third thing that we're going to find is the worst thing. Now, this is my opinion, okay, so nobody stand and cry, uh, you know, blasphemy or heresy. My opinion, 
the worst thing that can possibly happen to a Christian. The worst thing that can possibly happen to a Christian, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, so before we get into the word, I've got to kind of set our, our loose uh, table here. So yesterday, wonderful day, everything is clicking and going as planned, and it's just fantastic. And it really was a, a great day. And and we're on our way home, and of course the conversation is centered around like, wow, what a great day. Uh, it was so much fun. I wished we could, could, could stay and we could do it all again. It's just really great. And as we're driving, something takes place. Now, this thing that's about to take place, we're about to learn from it, okay? In fact, let me just say it this way. You are about to learn from a really stupid creature. So when I say that, I have to ask myself, what does it mean when I can learn something from something really stupid? Uh, it makes me call into to question my own perceived intelligence, right? So this stupid creature happens to be one of the many wonderful deer that make the central Texas so desirable, yeah. And so we're driving, and, and my wife is telling me, hey, watch your speed, be careful, it's late, there are deer out. And, and like, you know, a normal husband, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever, and we're driving and we're moving. Racing is what she, it wasn't a race. Yeah, I drive slow. Anybody who's ever driven with me know that's a lie. I mean, I drive really slow. I drive like, like I don't have anywhere to be, like I'm getting paid by the hour. So we're driving home here, and it is dark, and, and you are seeing animals, and they're doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, it's amazing how the human mind can can uh, uh, take in information and process information. It's things that are happening in a split second seem like they're in slow motion. And as we're driving, there's a group of deer, and this group of deer is on the side of the road, and they're, they're sitting there grazing on the side of the road. And one of these deer looks up, and the moment he looks up, I know it's on. I mean, I can see it in his eye. It's as if, like, the world stood still. This guy is not going to go that way. He's going to go this way, and it's about to be a bad situation. And so I begin to adjust accordingly. Sure enough, just like it could be seen as if it were scripted, he jumps up, and he starts to go this way, and he turns, and he goes that way. And this, this really, you know, magnificent, majestic creature, one of God's creations, runs smack into the side of our vehicle at full speed. So we didn't run over it. In fact, it might have even lived. It could have bounced off and just gotten up and been like, you guys see that? You know, I mean, who knows? I have no idea. But the, the, there's a big dent in the side of the car, and the taillights busted out, all because this deer got up and bolted right into the side of our vehicle that was going about 80 miles an hour. And I think about this, and I'm thinking, like, how dumb do you have to be, Right? To, to have something like this take place. And all of these thoughts flood through my mind about some of the dumb things I've done in my life. And I'm thinking, man, I'm right there with you, little deer, you know, been there and done that. I want to look at a couple of things that, that, that are from the, the deer's perspective here for a second and consider a few things that might be going on, okay? Uh, first of all, we're going to try to, to take from this and apply some things to learn in our own lives. And we're going to start I mentioned before we're going to learn how to change. I want to start right here from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, I want to read verse 2. You are going to hear this passage of Scripture a lot this year. Uh, this passage of Scripture is one that is really burning in my heart. It has, it's not new. We've used it a lot in messages. I have a feeling it's going to be featured in a lot of messages yet to come. Romans 
chapter 12, verse 2, it reads like this. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. So this passage of scripture is, is this really powerful declaration about not being like the world is, but rather being the way God has designed and called us to be, which is where our lives are living proof of the goodness that, that, that he's brought into our lives through Jesus and, and the wonders of his, his power, those things that are acceptable, those things that are perfect, those things that are, are successful and, and that are heavenly solutions to the world's problems. And the, the difference between being worldly and being godly in this is going to be the renewing of our minds. So what I see here is that that's really the, the, the point where change takes place. I mean, I've lived worldly before and hated it. I remember being in bondage to alcohol and hating every second of it. I wasn't thrilled with it. I didn't wake up in the morning and think like, man, I really love how miserable my life is. I love how I'm broke. I love how I've, I've broken every relationship that, that is supposed to be uh, foundational in my life. I love how I lie all the time and I cheat and steal. Everything about my life is just really bumping right now. I hated every second of it. I mean, I would weep and cry, and, and, and it wasn't even like a, a, a wonderful manifestation of, of God at work in my life. Rather, it was kind of the gnashing of teeth and the tears that you would see as described in separation from God, as you would see described in hell. I hated it. It was miserable. And I'd make declarations, never more, and of course, I'd be right back in, and, and it just didn't work. I wanted to change, but I couldn't change because I didn't know how to change, and now I see. Now I see clearly change is going to require an, an alteration in my thinking. If you want to change your life, you are going to be required to change the way you think. It's not just a matter of looking at the grass on the other side saying, wow, that's greener, I wish I had that. You've got to ask yourself, how does that guy keep his yard? What's his thought process? What, what, what's the, how do they get that result? I don't want to just covet the result. I want to learn the method. I want to change the way I think, therefore change the way I do, therefore change the result I get. And this is the kind of thing that a passage of scripture can influence in our prayer life. I can sit down and realize, God, I need to change the way that I talk to my wife. I've been very impatient. I've been very aggressive. I don't want to be impatient. I don't want to be aggressive. Can you please renew my mind so that this change can take place. Renew my mind so that I see it different, so that I perceive it different, so that it feels different to me. Maybe that I can be aware when it's about to happen and prevent it from happening. Maybe so that I can have a new level of conviction and when I don't think I'm doing it, but I'm actually doing it, that can change and I can realize, hey, you're doing it and stop and adjust. I want to change the things that need to be changed in my life. And based on this passage of scripture, that change is going to take place when my mind is renewed. I want my mind renewed. And I don't think this is a one-time thing. I think this is something God has committed to do throughout our days. That in any moment of your life, you can realize, wow, I need to see a change there. And instead of sitting and trying to discipline that change into existence, I want to go into prayer and say, Father, what needs to be renewed in my mind for this change to take place? 
Will you reveal it to me, that thing that needs to be renewed in my mind so that my behavior will line up with what's pleasing to you, so that my actions will line up with what's pleasing to you? So we know that there are things that we need to change. We know that it's going to require being different than the world, and we know that being different than the world is going to require thinking different than the world thinks. Now back to the deer. I was thinking about these deer, and I'm, I'm nutty. I'm weird. I don't think anyone in the room would survive five minutes in my head without saying, like, this guy's insane, and, and we got to get out of here. But I'm, I'm driving, and I'm thinking about these deer. Like, what goes on in the life of a deer that this would take place? I mean, I'm picturing these deer standing around, and I'm, I'm picturing, uh, you know, decisions being made that, that lead to either good things or bad things. And in this case, running into the side of an SUV at 80 miles an hour is a bad thing, right? I think we could all agree on that. And I picture this deer standing around, and all of a sudden the other deer come up, and it's like, hey, man, what are you doing? Grazing. Grazing here in the pasture. What's up? Well, me and the guys, we're going to go down to the highway, graze down there. It's where all the hot does are. Uh, let's go. No, nah, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit tight right here, you know. What, are you some kind of fawn? Let's go. No, 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 man, I'm okay. Oh, look at the little fawn. Look where your spot's at, where your little speckle's at, Bambi. Okay, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Go down to the highway. Graze a little bit. Next thing you know, boom. Thinking this deer was in the situation where this took place. What could have made this situation happen? What could have prevented this situation? And I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of things, you know. I mean, like, one, have the right friends around you. And I want to give this passage of Scripture to you. If you want to, yeah, I'm serious about this. There was a whole group of them. Man, there's like three or four of them there. And this one just jumps out in front of the car. So this is where, like, this renewing of the mind is concerned, right? So let's get there, because I want my mind renewed. I don't want to be like this deer that plowed into my SUV at 80 miles an hour. I want to be smart. One of the things that we need to, to have renewed in our mind is, is an awareness of the influence that we have. Bad influence will lead to bad things. I want to give you a couple passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, anything, you could fall into deception about any, anything in life. Any fact, any truth, you could fall into deception. So you could really put this at the front of any scripture, right? You could say, do not be deceived. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, right? I mean, you could, and it would make perfect sense. But the scripture doesn't put it in front of every scripture. Like, the word doesn't have that in front of every passage of scripture. So when I see that, I think, wow, that's there on purpose. Like, this must be an area where a lot of people suffer deception. This must be something where it's real easy to fall into deception. And here's what it's talking about. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I mean, this is the kind of thing I need renewed in my mind. I want this to be how I filter who I'm hanging out with. What kind of company is this? Is this good company or is this bad company? Will this company lead to my, my elevation in life and success and prosperity? Or will this company lead to me getting hit by an SUV at 80 miles an hour on the side of the highway? What kind of company am I keeping? 
Because bad company will corrupt that which is good. It's kind of interesting to consider. I want my mind renewed on that. I want to be able to think like that. I want to filter that. I want to be aware of my environment. I want to be aware of my situation. And when I'm around people, I want to be able to answer that question, what kind of company is this? And then adjust accordingly. I'll give you another passage of scripture here uh, from the Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 24. It says, a, a person of many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend that is closer than a brother. So here's, here's what I want to apply with this scripture. You, you've heard it before because we've talked about social media and other things like that. But we live in a world that, that identifies your success socially by the amount of friends that you have, right? Oh, man, I have 1,000 friends on Facebook. You know, I mean, that, it's, it's garbage. I mean, the reality is friendship is a very taxing relationship. It, requ it requires giving and receiving, and you only have the capacity to give so much and receive so much, and then you're literally just out of time. So the amount of friends that a man can have in his life successfully are really pretty few. And the reality is when we try to allow a lot of friendships into our life, they're shallow relationships that have little interest in our well-being. And in the name of friendship, we can be led to the side of the highway where we're struck by an SUV at 80 miles an hour. I only have a few friends. I mean, I've got a lot of acquaintances. There are people that I hang out with, people that I talk to. I'm obviously, you know, involved with a congregation. So there's a group of people here. This is my church family. But when it comes down to my life, there, there's really only a few friendships that I have in my life, not because everyone else isn't cool enough to make the cut, but because I can only have a few. And then I'm out of space. I can't be friends with everybody. You can't be friends with everybody. And when you try to be friends with everybody, what you'll find is that that friendship is thin. You'll be around people who don't have your best interest in mind, who don't sacrifice like a brother, and ultimately the company can become bad and corrupt that which is good. I think about those deer, those deer standing by the side of the road. Here's another thing with those deer, you know. I'm thinking about that guy, and, and, and that deer that smacked into the side of the car had no escape plan, zero preparation, you know. And I'm kind of equal opportunity with, with my deer. In fact, I was thinking about him earlier, and I thought, man, you got to be careful because, like, that could just really offend people. Because when I'm talking about the deer in my head, they, they're, I'm very diverse. So they're deer of all kinds of ethnic backgrounds, you know. One deer walk up and be like, hey, man, where are you going? The other deer be like, going to the highway, homes." And then the other deer being like, no, 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 too many head rights. And I'm listening to these deer talk in my head, and I'm thinking like, well, there's... You got your African-American deer, you got your Mexican-American deer, you got your Asian-American deer. I don't think we're leaving anybody out, right? And some people would call foul on that. And I, I mean, it, maybe it's inappropriate. I hope not. I can tell you, like, when I was a kid, I went to a school where I was, like, one of two white kids, and the rest of the school was Asian, right? So my name is Preston, and so for the longest time, I'd get in trouble because I would spell my name, right, Preston, P-L-E-S-T-O-N. Yeah, you get it. Goofy stuff, man. But it gets in your head and it affects who you are. And then, you know, as you continue to live your life, it has these moments where it, it, it pops up and, and you think like, yeah, you got to be careful because not everybody knows your full life experience. But I'm hearing these deer talk and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, as they're talking, nobody's making an escape plan. Not one of them. 
Not one of them's like, hey, we're going down to the highway. I know it's risky, but if something goes down, here's what we're going to do. Right? None of them are doing that. They're just all down at the highway grazing, and when something goes down, it's panic. Ah! Boom. That was it. Escape plan. I mean, I want to renew my mind. I want to be somebody who's always thinking, what if something goes wrong? I was in a situation that was a business transaction. I guess I should say it is a business transaction. And I remember being frustrated at when someone was included all of a sudden into this business transaction that I didn't approve of. And, and when I expressed my, my dis, uh, uh, disapproval for that, or however you should say it, uh, when, I, when I expressed that, it was met with like, well, you're just being silly. And I just said, no, let me tell you something. If things are to, to go sideways with this, this person is not a believer. They're confessed that they're not a Christian and they're not going to handle a hardship like a Christian would. And so before we're even going into it, I'm already thinking about what if something goes wrong? And honestly, that's a good way to think. And I think that's how, you know, believers should, our renewed mind should begin not to live in fear and anxiety, but to have a plan, an escape plan, so to speak. Let me give you something that's really good. I mean, this kind of applies, it's kind of a stretch, but let me give it to you because you're going to like it no matter what. But that God always will open up the door for an escape plan. And I told you before, the most 007 thing God gives all the time, the most Jason Bourne thing, he always provides an escape plan. And I love watching those movies and you see the guy walking up the stairs, grab the map off the wall, look at it, throw it over his shoulder, and he knows how to get out, right? Awesome. Well, God's equipped you for the same thing. Here's, here's a passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It, and it's, it's God's great gift to every man, woman, and child. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to endure. And with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape also. What a great word, escape. So that you will be able to prevail. So that you'll be able to prevail. I think this is a really great thing. I think this is the kind of thing that you don't wait till something goes wrong or, or wait till it's like, you know, a disaster, but you go into it prepared. I mean, no matter what, it could be marriage and family, it could be business, it could be church. Hey, God, what are the escape plans that you have here? I mean, there's a number of things that I can be aware of that could flare up in my life, a temptation to, to cheat or to steal or to, to be unfaithful or a temptation to do all these things. So what are my escape plans so that I can know them ahead of time? You know what most of them are? Call your wife. I'm serious about that. Most of my escape plans are call your wife right now. I mean, I'm saying that, and it, it would normally provoke a little more laughter than that, but it's really a, an actual escape plan. Get other people involved that you trust, other people that care about you involved. Shine light on it. But don't sit there and, and let it brood and, and develop. God always will provide an escape plan. I look at that stupid deer, and he stood there with no plan. What if something goes wrong? Yeah, we're going to graze. We're going to be, you know, scoping out the highway for all the hot does, and all of a sudden, you know, here come all these headlights. He's got no plan. It's over. It's just foolish. 
We watch it and we see it from the outside and we think, what a stupid creature. But yet, there's a lot of times in my life where I operated without an escape plan and what a stupid creature. But praise God, I can learn. We can learn. I want to move on here. God's always going to provide an escape plan for us as we seek after it. That needs to have an impact on your prayer life. You know, God, I want to know the escape routes. I'm a married man now. That means that, that I am required to be faithful to my wife, but I've vowed to do that. I want to have every escape plan memorized for when that gets called into question. I'm a father now. I'm, my example is to be for my sons, to be pure-hearted and, and pure in my mind and my actions. I want an escape plan for when these things come up. I'm a Christian now. That means my life is to bring you honor and glory. And there's a lot of things in this world that are drawn on me to, to sin and be corrupt. I want to know my escape plans. And I think that's really an, an, an important thing to know, an important thing to have memorized. Uh, we're going to move on here. Here's another thing those deer didn't have, and I'm not going to do any more you know, racist deer speak here for you because I think maybe I've pushed the envelope on that. I can tell you this was a factor last night, uh, and the deer had absolutely no vision. Absolutely no vision. No, nothing runs into an SUV, right, if they can see it. I can't imagine that deer was like, hey, look, there's an SUV. I got this. Woo! He, he just looked up, couldn't see anything, ran, and he, he, he didn't go the right way. Gone. My wife is up here in tears. You feel sorry for the deer? Okay. Well, I don't. <laughs> this, this creature had no vision. Right? And let me, we won't stay long on this one, but Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, people perish. Now, this has an impact on me. I want to pray, God, I want vision. I want to be able to see what I'm doing. And when I think about this and I start to see all the scripture, and I don't have them listed here because, like I said, we're shooting from the hip. I mean, we were at song three during praise and worship when I was here, and I needed to make another point. So we didn't linger here long. But when you consider all the scripture about God's word being a, a light unto your, your path, a lamp unto your feet, when you consider all of the word about God illuminating your way, it's so you can see where you're going. Why else would I need a light unto my path except to see where I'm going, to watch my step? to know what I'm about to step on, to know what's about to, to cross the road, to know what I'm about to run into. I'm getting older, and so uh, I, I'm learning more about the, the practical side of this. You know, you have kids, they leave their toys out, you step on them, it hurts, you scream. And then I'm married to a woman that if she doesn't sleep, uh, things just uh, can turn sideways real fast. So you don't dare wake her up. I'll get up in the morning, and this is how I walk to places. Because you don't turn the light on. I turned the light on one time. I nearly died. She came out of her slumber. And she looked upon me, and I could see in her eyes that it was, it was over. Like My life flashed before my eyes. It's really frightening. I've been in some real nasty business before, but that was a moment changed my life. I realized, you know, you don't turn on the light. And so this is kind of how I'm left getting around. You know, you run into the wall, oh, you feel for the doorknob, you know, try to open the door as quiet as you can. You're feeling around for stuff. That's no way to live. You need to see. You got to see. You need the light on. 
You know, and so when I think about this, I, I can make a, a whole message about having a vision for your life. Oh, there's no vision. People perish. What is your 10-year plan? You know, that's fine, and that really is good. That'd be a great message. I'd love to preach that message because I do think you're supposed to see beyond what's right in front of you. But I mean this really practically. Like if I killed the lights in here, blindfolded everyone, and said, God bless you, goodbye, you'd be bumping into stuff, right? You want to know, I've got like a permanent dent in my shin from running that back row of chairs because I'm too lazy to go turn the light on and I need to walk from here to there. I never cleared that back row. You got to be able to see where you're going. If you can't see where you're going, you're going to run into stuff and it's a challenge. So this affects my, my prayer life. God, I want to be able to see. And this doesn't have to be some like one time I was at church and the pastor prayed this and it changed my life. That's great. I'm okay with that. This could be every day. God, this is a new day, and I want to be able to see what's going on. I want to see what's at stake. I want to see the, the options that are set before me. I, I want to see my motive and why I choose the things I choose. I want to see everything. I don't want anything to happen today that I don't see it. Open up my eyes so that I can see. I do not want to walk in blindness. A pretty great way to pray, a great way to think. That's kind of a renewed mind way of thinking, and it can prevent you from devastation like that poor little deer slamming in the side of our Lincoln. Give you another uh, uh, one here that is obvious. This deer had absolutely no direction. You know, here we are going from A to B. We're returning home from this trip, and we've got our map turned on and, and this, you know, very put-together voice telling me, turn right in 1,000 feet. Turn, right? Have you ever heard that and thought like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven? Count the feet while you're driving to 80 miles an hour, 1,000 feet. Give me a break. And 1,000 feet, turn right. We had direction. We knew where we were going. We were on a, a, a set course, and we were on our path to go. This creature had no direction whatsoever. And in a moment of panic, having no direction, this creature made a decision that cost him dearly. Dearly. God, I've often said she's the smartest one in the room. I'm telling you, it's true. God bless you, Melissa. Oh, my goodness. So here's a few passages of Scripture for you. Uh, Isaiah 30, 21. Okay, now this is a promise that, that we're, we're looking to apply to a renewed mind. Father, renew my mind, and let this be more than just a Bible verse to me, but let this be your counsel coming into my life. Isaiah 30, 21, it, it, it speaks of this. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. I want that promise in my life. When I'm at a crossroads and I'm given direction, I got news for you. Had that deer turned any other direction, he'd be grazing right now. But he didn't go the right way. And because he didn't go the right way, it cost him. I mean, it's cause and effect. And for you and I, it's important for us not to presume on God and presume on mercy and presume on grace and to never, as my wife would so lovingly and graciously remind me, don't presume on tomorrow. You're not guaranteed that tomorrow's going to come. We need direction. I want to have a voice leading and guiding in the way that I should go when I'm in a situation where panic is introduced. I don't want to be the one saying, let's just flip a coin. We're going that way. I want to be the one that hears from one that can see beyond the moment. 
The one that transcends time and space, that knows tomorrow before tomorrow comes to pass, that'll tell me, hey, you need to go this way. And even if I don't want to go that way, I want to have the courage and the strength to yield to the voice of God and go that way. I, I could go way long with stories where this has come to pass that has made my life really, really awesome. Maybe saved my life and for sure opened up the door for the things that I celebrate today in marriage and family. Having God's direction in your life is absolutely necessary to avoid tragedy. Here's a passage of scripture that we can lean on while we look to have our, our mind renewed. John uh, chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is speaking and he, he makes this promise, okay? I mean, see it as a promise. Don't just see it as something he said. See it as something that he is offering to you as a commitment. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. Goes on to say, no one can snatch them out of my hand. I mean, this is a great way to think with renewed thinking. That, that if I can follow the counsel of Jesus Christ, the result will be success. The result will be life. The result will be prosperity. If the opposite is despair and the opposite is death, I want to follow after Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And that is where they receive, or that is where they get life, and that which will not perish. I mean, when I hear the word perish, I think life or death, but we need to just think of it even in the terms of success and failure. I mean, I do want to live. I like the idea of my heart beating and my lungs being filled up with oxygen. I mean, I, I love the concept of being alive, but I also know that there are things in my life that I don't want to perish. I don't want my relationship with my sons to perish. I don't want my marriage to my wife to perish. I don't want uh, the, the businesses that I've been called to put my hand to to perish. I want them to thrive. And so it's my desire to hear the voice of Jesus as my shepherd to follow him and to see that life and that success be the result. I want to give you this last verse here. We're closing here, and I mentioned before the worst thing that could possibly happen to a Christian. I gave it to you as my opinion, and, and it is uh, going to be found in a passage of Scripture. You can turn to it if you like to. From, uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 115. In Psalm 115, it, it, it makes these statements, and these statements are, are really... Uh, uh, powerful if we stop and we think about what's being said here but in Psalm 115 you know you can read the the first verses there the rubber really meets the road by the time you get down to about verse 8 but it's talking about idolatry and idols and and it, it says this beginning around uh, verse 4 or so it says that you know idols are silver and gold they're the work of the hands of men and and it goes on to describe them. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Uh, they have a, a nose, but no discernment of smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. And feet, but they can't walk. And they can't make a, a sound with their throat. Now verse 8, listen to this. And those who make them become like them, and all who serve them. When I think about that stupid deer being completely void of any sense, running into an oncoming vehicle at full speed is, is just beyond me. 
but I start to think of the risk that, that my life runs should idolatry be allowed to take root. If you were to deprive me of all of my senses, if I were to have eyes but not be able to see, ears but not be able to hear, a voice but not be able to make a sound, you can keep going down the list. You know where I'm going with this. If I lose my ability to function and I lose all of my senses, I will do things that don't make sense. And the end result of those things can be highly destructive. That renewed mind is meant to, to offer up prayers and, and to seek God in ways like this. Father, will you open my, my eyes to see every bit of idolatry that exists in my life. All of the things that I've put before you. All of the things that you would call for me to lay down that I would hold on to tightly. That let those things be uh, revealed to me. That they wouldn't bring blindness and deafness into my life. But that I might see clearly and hear clearly. I want to be productive in your kingdom. I don't want to be senseless. And let me tell you something. Think about all of the things that you're responsible for. The family that you're responsible for. The, the people that you work with. And, and everyone that would suffer if you were to function without your senses. It's a great responsibility to, to be a, a believer it's a great responsibility to be a, a Christian. And to desire to keep your senses about you, to desire to keep your heart free from idols is a very renewed way to think in your mind. And when I say that, it could just sound like, wow, that's kind of a poetic way to end. But consider this. It's definitely not how the world thinks. The world thrives on idolatry. The world promotes idolatry. The world is idolatry. And for us to function outside of idolatry is for us to function outside of the world, which according to the passage we open with in Romans is going to require us to have our minds renewed so that we won't be conformed to the world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me as well. I want to pray for us. And the prayer is a, a simple prayer that, that our hearts would be open to be uh, receptive to the renewal of our minds, that, that there would be a sensitivity imparted to each of us, uh, that, that there would be no uh, mentality that would set in that we're, we're doing all right, but that every day we would desire to be changed and molded uh, and, and renewed in our thinking so that we can continue in the direction that God's called us to, a direction of prosperity and success, a, a direction in which we have vision and, and a direction uh, in, in which we know all of the, the plans that God has for us to escape poor choices and decisions, that we could have relationships that have value and, and be uh, around the right people to influence us in good ways and not corrupt ways. I mean, these are the things that I want to, to pray, and, and it all takes place in our, our soul, that our mind would be renewed, that we would see differently, that we would think differently, and that we would behave differently. There where you stand, I want to pray. You're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or uh, uh, receiving, however you choose.
I want to pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the direction and the counsel that you promise. We thank you that we're not condemned to be conformed to this world and all of its idolatry. We ask now in Jesus' name that our hearts be softened by your mercy, that there be a moment that we might call upon your name to do a work in us, that this work would take place in our souls, that there would be a renewing in our mind, that we would see differently and that we would perceive differently the world around us that we would evaluate the company that we keep, that we would uh, uh, look for your escape and your direction, that we would uh, celebrate all of the wonders that you bring into our life in Jesus, the presence and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, living and active in and through us for your glory. And let us see past uh, the simple idea of Christianity as being uh, uh, included into your house, but let us see the transformation and the equipping that's meant to come with it. That old things would pass away and new things would come. And that with every transformation that would take place in our hearts and in our minds, we become more like Jesus. Let our motives be pure and our actions be powerful, all for your glory. We surrender our hearts and minds to be molded and shaped as they need to be. That we would truly be a people surrendered to the renewal that you promise. Let us stand out from this world, free from any confirmation to the things that are, are wicked and the things that are obscene, the things that are blasphemous, the things that are vain and fruitless. Let us experience that transformation, that transformation that would lead us into the wonders of freedom and liberty, power, purity. Let holiness prevail in the body of Christ for your glory. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.